since your body in this demographic is already characterized by being in a chronically stressed state, right? It just is. That's where everything is interrelated. Elevated cortisol is affecting thyroid, affecting insulin, and therefore blood sugar control. It's affecting sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. It's affecting all these things that are metabolic drivers of fat gain and fat loss, all interconnected, right? right? Sleep dysregulated, so on and so forth. So that is a fight or flight chronic situation. It's a maladaptive stress response. That's the bad side of cortisol, right? There's a good side of cortisol, of course, but that's the bad side of cortisol. This body is in that situation. Interval training, CrossFit, and metabolic workouts are, by definition, high intensity, right? They're super high intensity and not long duration as a result, but you're already in that state chronically. It's called a sympathetic high-stress state. That is a sympathetic high-stress of a workout. So that's an extra dose of stress to an overdosed system. What are you doing to create your dream life or your best self? Why do we see some thrive through challenges while others struggle? Welcome to Effort, a podcast where I talk about the main Fs in my life that have helped me in creating my best self. Faith, family, forgiveness, food, fitness, and formula. Hi, my name is Amy Ledeen, and most would say that I've had my fair share of struggles, whether it was placing my baby for adoption at 18, Facing my marriage-ending affair or battling stage four cancer for almost seven years, it's safe to say that I've been through a lot. Join me as I take you through my story, my journeys, and share with you the tactical strategies every single week that will help you thrive and overcome anything you face. That's right, I'm gonna show you how to create a future self that you'll be proud of. So buckle up, get ready for the ride as I take you through my story and bring other guests on that have helped me along the way. Okay, I'm back with a special guest, a reoccurring guest, and actually I have a few planned out with my husband. Welcome, Eric Ladine. Hello, hello. <laughs> okay, well, we're actually not in the same country right now, but hey, the podcast must go on. So I booked Eric in to come on today to talk about things that come up in, you know, not just our community, like in terms of fitness. And, you know, but in general, you know, people that follow me on IG see me walking every day. And then sometimes they think maybe that's my quote unquote cardio. And, you know, I'm not an expert in this area. I have always said that everything that I've learned in this area has come from Eric because, you know, to give you a tiny bit of backstory before I get in with Eric is I was a cardio bunny. You know, when I was losing my weight, I saw that if I would just increase that over time, thank you, Weight Watchers, that was stupid of you to give us activity points. And I just started doing more and more and more. Then I was teaching classes. So while on the outside, I, you know, I look skinny, you know, in fact, I really didn't have a lot of muscle, but I was really working way too hard to really see hardly any change to the point that I started Googling coaches you know, I'm like, how do I get off the crazy train, got involved in the forums, I've mentioned this on other, you know, when I've interviewed Eric got involved on the forums where he was an expert on, you know, if you remember oxygen magazine, they had a board, and he was on there answering questions. And he had threads often there posted on cardio it was a, you know, topic that honestly, I had only seen one approach. So when I reached out to Eric and, you know, hired him, 
you know, we'll get into my story with it, but you know, it's changed my life. I went from thinking, you know, one, that I needed to be doing a ton of it to see results. Two, I didn't realize that sometimes there is such thing as doing too much cardio and, you know, the very variety of forms there. And um, three, that you don't have to do cardio to see fat loss. And in fact, I would think that all of you need to experience seeing that success without it. And Eric forced me to do that. So let's get that out of the way. Thank you for coming on, honey. I get to call you honey on here. Um, so why do you think, you know, because I know you're an industry disruptor. Why did you go against the grain? Because you were contest prep at the time. Everyone's doing like two a days. What made you, I mean, what did you see? Was it research that you saw? What was it that you saw that made you go against the grain? Man, that's a good question. But I, I, can't, I can't really precisely remember, to be honest with you. So sad, not, not the best answer to that first question, but <laughs> hey, whatever. Honestly, I, I'm trying to think right now what it was. You know, because I see some people, uh, a, men, a person I would consider a colleague at this point, but a mentor like Scott, you know, Abel, you know, someone like him, he changed right? Like he went from being a high volume cardio, old school type of contest prep coach to not be, you know, some other right. people have changed from two, right? And I never did. I just, I never started on that side. I never believed it to begin with. And I think it probably was just, I was exposed to probably um, maybe some of the new research at the time. And I was just looking into it at the time, you know, perhaps. Right. Um, that's the best thing I can say, because it was really the prevalent uh, method in uh, competition circles was to do a lot of cardio, you know, it was right. to do a lot of steady state biking and, and treadmilling and whatever, ellipticaling and whatever it might be at the time. Right. So. And I know from my own experience, but you can give this answer. I mean, what is the most don't count outliers that weigh hundred pounds, but what's the most on average you have prescribed to a client on a weekly basis. Give me details in terms of duration and times per week. You know, I'd have to go back because it's different now. You know, that's another, you know, probably topic we'll get into just the, you know, evolution of just what's appropriate for when. But, um, you know, when I think back to a competitor, you know, I'd have someone doing like, you know, interval type work twice a week, right? Uh, right. At, at most. And it really wouldn't have much else on top of that usually if I was doing that. So um, I've always believed in rest days. So I might have, if I was, you know, maybe, maybe at the most, I was doing two days of intervals and two days of regular cardio. And that's thinking most when you're talking about not outliers, of course, you know, I had someone who a competitor trying to burn some muscle off, you know what I mean? Uh, then you're right. doing a lot of cardio, right. Or, uh, but no one doing like daily intervals. No, no, I've never, no, 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 no. I I've actually seen questionnaires or applications that have come in for coaching over the years where they're doing more cardio basically as a lifestyle. Uh, maintenance work than I would ever prescribe to a client at any point in in time. You know, right. the more cardio you do to try to lose fat, and I say try because you're not necessarily going to be successful. It's the effort, right? It's, it's the protocol you're taking. The more likely you're going to regain the weight when you take it down to a more normal amount, reintroduce a more normal amount of food, on you know, so on and so forth. It's it, it's a formula. It's it, it happens all the time. And competitors well, are, the, are the best example of that in a case study. Right. You know? I would say, even though I didn't compete, I did have a perfect 
storm, you know, happened with me and that I was aerobics instructor and we moved and just that move, because it's kind of like at the end of a competition, they're doing like all these two a days and everything. So here I am like teaching all these classes to absolutely nothing. It was just inevitable that I was going to gain because I had relied on that so much. I remember when I hired you and you said, listen, the game here should be this, eat as much as you can while doing as little as possible of this like cardio while seeing fat loss. And that was a game changer for me to see that I shouldn't be trying to beat myself to death right off the bat. I should be really trying to keep this, you know, as minimum as possible. Yeah. You know, people that actually start their fat loss phase, let's call it, I don't even want to call it diet. You know what I mean? It's really a diet strategy, right? And for me, diet's one of these words that I don't want to get sidetracked, but it just has different meanings. For me, it just means a caloric deficit, right? Right. So the issue with people that start doing essentially as much cardio as they can, they have nowhere to go. Like they're using all their tools out of the toolbox right off the bat. And, And not only that, that exact principle there, but there's other reasons to not do that just to do with efficiency and less burning less calories over time, hence having to do more over time. Uh, yes. and that's just speaking just of steady state cardio, right? And my old V8. Versus, I was just, yeah. So that's what I was saying. Can you explain that? So you have this famous article on the website yeah. and it's the Honda Civic versus the Escalade right. and explaining that to people like why yeah. you don't want to be a great the Honda analogy. Civic. So I wrote that article like 12 years ago now, and uh, it's a really great analogy because if you think about just vehicles and fuel efficiency, you know, this is what the more you do something, the more efficient your body gets at it, you get better at it. That's, that's just the way the body works. We adapt, right? So, you know, with doing a lot of long duration, steady state type of cardio, the more you do, the more you're going to have to do because you over time become more efficient at that activity. Now, whether that's good or bad depends on why you're doing it. So becoming more efficient means you burn less energy to do the same activity over time, right? Now, if you wanted to be a marathon runner, that's great. You get a lot of mileage for your your calories. You want to get ripped. You want to lose weight. That sucks, right? You don't don't want to get a lot of mileage for your calories. You want to have to top refuel again. So the analogy is the fuel efficient vehicle right? To, to explain what metabolic efficiency really is. The fuel efficient vehicle is the Honda Civic, right? A four cylinder, put 20 bucks in, you go forever, right? You get a lot of mileage for that. Great. If you want to be a marathon runner, you want to be conditioned for that type of stuff. Crappy. If you want to get lean, right? Right. You want to be a, I think in in that one, it was an Escalade. It could be a V12 Lamborghini. It could be whatever. It could be a pickup truck, something that is actually a pig on fuel because that's, you get, you get five miles and you got to refuel. So that, right. that's, that's the lean one. You want to be that. And the problem with doing lots of long duration, steady state type of cardio back in the day, which was really popular before it became popular, which now has its own set of problems, um, was that that's what happened. So you had competitors, the, again, perfect case study was competitors. And the reason why they're a great case study is because they're disciplined. Right. And therefore, they give the protocol a great uh, opportunity to work. They're not in their own way. They don't even need a lot of a lot of them don't even need that type of coaching. They need the they need the plan. They're they're sergeants already. Right. Right. So therefore, if something happens because of the protocol, because they were compliant to it. Right. So what you see is what you saw with competitors is that each year, you know, maybe first year was 30 minutes a day. 
and their diet. And then the next year they had to do more to get the same result. And then the next yes. year they had to do more. Uh, year, they had to do more. And it was all for the same net change, yes. net loss. So essentially they were becoming more like the fuel efficient Honda Civic, right? And they were up to then two hours of cardio a day, which was pretty standard. And then you right. had some out, some people that were just doing three hours a day, it was crazy. And what happened was a metabolic rebound, which is basically a tsunami that's waiting to happen. There's nothing you can do about it if you've triggered it as a combination of doing too much cardio with insufficient dietary support, right? Too much of a deficit, too hard of a deficit, too extreme of a deficit, too whatever right. of a deficit, right? And then the more and you do, was, the that, more you rebound. Right. That was where I was with you. And I was, you know, because prior to hiring you, I mean, while I did want to look like I trained, quote unquote, I, I really actually didn't know how to get there. And so I was doing tons of cardio and I was extremely efficient. And I know this because I used to wear a heart rate monitor. And those of you that have the heart rate monitors, you know, over time, that same 45 minutes burns less, my heart rate would come down quicker, you know, like all of the things. So it's no wonder. And then, you know, it's that storm where you're like, okay, well, if your goal was to burn 500 calories in your activity today, you just started doing more and more and more. And before you know it, like you said, you have these crazy people doing three hours of cardio. So, and it's not sustainable. Right. Yeah, you can't. St- I mean, I knew, I knew at the back of my mind, I couldn't stick with it. And here's the other problem is that there's, that there's a physiological problem with this, which was just talked about. There's also the psychological problem that whether it's compensatory in, in nature, which is a lot of the times, but ultimately cardio is given a, a mental and emotional overemphasis on effectiveness in terms of it's okay. a part of the equation. It, this right, is really right. effective for this process. So therefore it's really, really important. That's just a belief. That's just a default belief that people have. And therefore, right. you know, that, that's, that, that's, that is what they do to uh, undo a night of bad eating is cardio because it's so effective. That's what they do to speed it up because they have a vacation because it's so effective, right? Not realizing so that cardio is like crazy, <laughs> overrated for fat loss, overrated for fat loss, underrated for health, overrated for fat loss. Right. And the so research this is a good even time shows to... that it has more. Uh, oh, go ahead. The research even shows that it has more benefit in the maintenance of weight loss phase, right? Because then you're going to have a little bit lesser restrictions on your diet. You know, you're going to have looser boundaries, right? And therefore, cardio right. can be kind of something that's just more built in anyway. So let's, before we get into, because I want to kind of put this in pieces, so we're going to get back to like what they should be doing. But first, let's talk about this other area, which is and people see us doing it, it's something we program, which is daily walking, which Mm -hmm. is not to be really like put in that same category. And so that's why I wanted to talk to you about that because people are like, well, Amy, I see you every day promoting going out and doing your walk. Isn't that cardio? Can you answer Mm -hmm. that? Well, you know, again, physiological answer and psychological answer, obviously. So to me, when I prescribe that kind of thing, I always also add in intent is not calorie burning. It's not fat loss. So make sure yes. your mindset is not there, right? Because you're already entering into that exercise, that practice right. or that hopefully that hopeful habit with the wrong thinking, right? Right. So it's not for that. That's the first thing. So, um, so to extend that, I mean, if somebody, it's not even, it's not even effective for that anyways. I mean, it's just right. walking. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so you don't burn many calories walking and we're not even talking about power walking or brisk walking. I mean, if it's cold in the morning, 
then you're going to move quickly anyways. That's just what happens, right? But so therefore right. the mental intention around it is not being for that is really important, but it's really meant to undo all the effects or to contribute to undoing all the negative effects of doing too much cardio, of doing too much high intensity work, metabolic work, of too much dieting, of a too, of a too stressed body, of, of too much crap having gone wrong, of too much imbalance. It's meant to contribute positively against that because right. all that stuff is you know, basically a system that's in this fight or flight type of place, which people have heard of that, right? Fight or flight. Now right. that that's great if it's situational. It's that's how it's designed, right? Uh oh, the lion's coming. Body mobilizes fuel and you boot, right? And then you calm down. But it's not right. meant to be chronically elevated. That's the right. broken system, and that's where everybody is who's a chronic dieter. Even these days with stress, with life, right, and psychological effect of you know mental stress becomes physiological stress. It's the same thing. It's just captured in your body, right? So the walking is meant to counter all that because right. it activates the opposite, which is the rest and digest, the stay in play system, which is the parasympathetic versus that sympathetic, which is whatever that part, right? So it's right. really meant to help to calm your body down, to bring peace into your body, both physiologically because the nature is just this slow movement, just this right. cruising kind of activity, uh, super low intensity, really, and mentally because it's supposed to be time that's mentally built intentionally for you. Maybe it's a nature walk. Maybe you're maybe you're praying. Maybe you're listening to good music. Maybe you're whatever you're doing. It's for you. So it has a dual purpose right. of trying to be intentionally de-stressing. So what do you say to the person that says, you know what, Eric? I just for me to like get rid of some of my stress. It's a stress relief for me to go do intervals, or it's a stress relief for me to like. I want this is where I like your no nonsense. What are you going to say to that person that's like, hey, this is what makes me, I think, feel better? Yeah, well, I think you know the way I put it was it's it's not a stress reliever. It's a stress distractor, right? Because gotcha. it's what it is, and it's really, you know, yes, you know, if you think of if you think of the system, the fight or flight, the stress system, energy mobilization from stress is meant to lead to movement. So therefore, exercise and movement is a good stress reducer, correct, right? Physiologically. So that, but that's not, that's not go, you know, that hard as F on, you know, car on hit and do go to a CrossFit workout and go just crush yourself. That's not what it's meant to be. You know what I mean? Right. And even if it is for some people and can be for some people, I don't want to make a blanket statement that it's not possible. But if you look at the demographic that I'm typically saying that in, it's a person with a dieting history right? Yes. It's a person who's got age-related changes happening in themselves as well, which are naturally going to happen anyways, which therefore require consideration by all women, right? right? But also, an important thing to say is that if you're 45 years old or in your 40s or whatever and up, you're not just starting to diet, quote-unquote, for the first time in your life. You've been around the block a few times, to be real, right? right. right. So you have diet history induced changes. So I wrote an article, another one 12 years ago called the X factor and basically making progress for dieting history. And this was actually dealing with people 12 years younger, because if I'm 48 now and clients and followers have aged with us, take it down to when I was 36, I was saying it about that age group. It's even more so right. the case now, right? right? So since your body in this demographic is already characterized by being in a chronically stressed state, right? It, it just is. That's where everything is interrelated. 
uh, elevated cortisol is affecting thyroid, affecting insulin, and therefore blood sugar control. It's affecting sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. It's affecting all these things that are metabolic drivers of fat gain and fat loss, all interconnected, right? right? Sleep dysregulated, so on and so forth. So that is a fight or flight chronic situation. It's a maladaptive stress response. That's the bad side of cortisol, right? There's a good side of cortisol, of course, but that's the bad side of cortisol. This body is in that situation. Interval training, CrossFit and metabolic workouts are by definition high intensity, right? They're, they're super high intensity and, and not long duration as a, as a result, but you're already in that state chronically. It's called a sympathetic high stress state. That is a sympathetic high stress of a workout. So that's an extra dose of stress to an overdosed system. Right. Two doses, three doses, five doses of recovery, actually, instead of that. So that's the worst thing that person can do is add more stress to an overstressed body. It doesn't even make sense. Right. But here's the problem. Not only does it not physiologically work, the problem is you have females or dieters in general, let's say, but we just talk about women because that's who we've worked with over the years primarily, who have had success with it in the past. Yes. And therefore, you have that psychological connection to success. Well, it used to work. And then you start to say, and, and it actually, hey, you say it worked too, Eric. Well, true. But we're in a different chapter now. Your body's right. different. And this is the issue. There's not a lot of people that are treating women in this category like they're women in this category. They're treated like they're 25 still, right? You're dealing right. with a different right. type of physiology. And they're not working with their body anymore at that point either. It's kind of just working against it actually so it's almost like i know for me it was i needed to unlearn you know if you're listening right now and you're like oh my gosh i do have this dieting history okay one i can do low intensity mindful walk daily that's not going to hurt me but the key has to be should mindset be. behind it you know yeah. um should not be like oh how many calories am i going to burn because i truly believe like your thought process behind whatever you're doing can make it worse. Meaning like if I'm already going into it stress, even if you're not even tracking calories, but now you're tracking your minutes, it's again, you're kind of, it's defeating the purpose of getting out and breaking away from, you know, the stressors or things versus like you said, distracting it with, you know, more intensity. It's more like, you know, diving into it. And then two, would you say that, let's say that I'm unsure, but I know that I have this crazy dieting history. Is less going to be better overall? Like less is more in terms of yeah. like my goal is to lose fat. Should I yeah. hold off and yeah. bringing so, that in? So, yeah, I actually would say that uh, if you find yourself in this category, your goal, you have to reframe your goal to not be focused on short-term fat loss. Now, I understand the goal is long-term fat loss. It is fat loss overall. But you have to recognize as much as that's framed as your current problem, it's not your problem. It's a symptom. It's a symptom of the problem. The problem being really kind of uh, unhappy physiology, right? So given that fat loss and dieting and cardio and all these metabolic and hormonal changes are the problem, doing things that actually contribute to the problem aren't going to solve it. That's really backwards thinking. So. Right. You have to recognize that, that, therefore, cardio isn't part of the solution. You have to focus on metabolic health and, uh, you know, trying to improve these types of 
you know, kind of governors of fat loss, right, so to speak, over time so that your body can be responsive to a fat loss protocol the way it would naturally do it. So your body's not responding the way it's designed to, that's off, right? So right, that's right. why you take take a certain approach, you know, if we talk about predictability with certain routines and stuff, because then you can see if a body's responding as it should be. Oh, good. Right. That's as it should be. That's a positive adaptation. Good things are happening, at least in part of the body right now, right? So exactly. it's like, it's like, it's like you actually going through on chemo and getting stronger. Good things are happening. That's a positive adaptation, right? In the menopausal group, ladies, you guys are all jacked up. Can't lose fat, but you're getting stronger. You know what I mean? These are, this is what should happen on this training protocol. That's a positive adaptation metabolically, hormonally, neurologically. That's a good thing. That's what should happen. That's positive, right? So right. we're on the right track. And I want to do, we are going to do a separate podcast all on training. This is yeah, like the perfect segue. We'll talk about like, you know, just like the cardio, there are things that you could be doing that are actually hurting you. I mean, I already heard you mention a few of them, but like I've had I a couple clients and hey, I'm not cardio. dog. Oh, you, right. You wouldn't be doing any, but I meant like for training, like they're going to learn, you know, like. No, I know. I just uh, remembered I didn't quite wrap, you know, circle back on their question about, it, okay, about doing right. less. So I would say, I would say that, that, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a part of it at all. What you should be con committing to is walking every day, a nice good, a nice good me time walk that has dual intention and not even seeing cardio. First, you got to just recognize that it's a fact that it's overrated for fat loss. It just is, you know, right. it simply is. If you're a light person, then that's different. You have to create a deficit because otherwise you're, you know, with some expenditure because it's just too hard to do when you're light, different topic, but right. you know what I'm saying? It, you really no, should take it go... the way you said, which was do as little as possible to make progress. It's right. supplementary. Right. So now that we kind of chunked that category, so listen, if you are, you've got a highly stressed body, you've got this dieting history, all of those things, you already know you shouldn't be doing any. Now let's talk about the person that, let's say that, you know, because there are those people out there that their bodies are, you know, in a, a healthy place. Maybe they've had dieting breaks. Maybe they're like, you know, like, I wouldn't say like me right now because of my cancer, but prior to this with being, you know, intentional and taking all these years off of doing the high, you know, intensity cardio, where would you start? You know, what would you tell someone again, as little as possible? So what one day of intervals, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would consider the fact that the people that I'm typically going to have that conversation with are still going to be, have age related changes on the horizon, if not already happening. So it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that someone that everybody, you know what I mean? Because there's outliers to everything. And there's also, a, there's also people are also gauging people's success by their look of their body which isn't always the case. You can feel like absolute crap and look pretty good, you know, for your right. age, you know? And, and so a lot of this is recognizing, Hey, you, you look like you're in shape, but you don't sleep at all, you know? Right. So I bet you'd take, I bet you'd like to sleep. I bet you, you know what I mean? You feel pretty good about that kind of progress, right? Because that all of a sudden affects all sorts of things. Right. So You're putting too much emphasis on the cardio and not enough on all the other things. Well, really on the, really on the external change right there is a metric of what it is, of what the progress is, right? Because it's not these changes that people deal with just affect how you feel too, right? It affects your recovery, your right. appetite, your energy levels, you know, like how you feel in the morning without coffee, right? You get a lot of that happening right. these right. days too. So I would say that that conversation is someone I'd have with anybody in this age bracket. I'd be considerate of it. I'd be always pro walking, right? I'm definitely uh, more of a believer in that as I've gotten older definitely see the benefits of that having to consider everybody's uh, age change. Um, 
And I would probably say that I would, I definitely probably do, I would do one a week for sure. You know, definitely I do one a week and you never know. Some people can probably get away with two a week. So dieting is, is a stress to the body, right? Cardio is a stress. These are doses. Training is a training is, is a dose of stress, right? So on and so forth. But, but so are, is life is the same stress. Work is a situational stress, deadlines, uh, so a, a health issue in your family, job issues, COVID, whatever. These are all things that can affect your recovery as well. So maybe this is how you start to auto-regulate your own training is you start to pay attention and be proactive and understand that, well, okay, I got a pretty crazy week next week. You know, maybe that week I should be training three days a week instead of four, you know, mm. right. Maybe that week I should be uh, doubling down on some of my other practices that are going to help me, you know, maintain some semblance of control during a chaotic week. Right. But I understand right. that I'm under more stress this week. Maybe, you know, so I have to consider that my overall units to use my old analogy is a hundred total units of stress tolerance. Right. And it's distributed this way, but this week is now, this is going to overshoot me. So I'm going to pull down some units over here right. to compensate right. because I'm not going to recover the same way. And ultimately this is a recovery stress-based game. You gain fat because you're stressed. You lose fat when that is reversed. And is there research around this low intensity, like the the power behind these daily walks? Is there research that shows that it does help calm the body or help during weight stability times? Like what is the research behind it? Because you do see a lot of stuff these days about walk, 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 walk. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, I don't I don't I'm not a research, you know, person that keeps up to date on 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 what's happening in research, for example, but you know that walking, I mean, it's not even, it's not really a, a, a need to research thing that walking activates the parasympathetic nervous system, right? So that's, that's just a known activity that does so, right? Well, that's a lot kind of, of what research. I wanted you to say. Okay. Right, okay, <laughs> sorry. So there's a lot of research then, sorry. So then there's a lot of understood and established research on all the benefits of walking, right? And they, uh, from, from a longevity standpoint, from a health standpoint, from blood sugar management standpoint. So think about a person who, for example, has, um, I'll give you a situation. Everybody kind of moves towards a bit of a pre-diabetic state with age, right? You get rusty, right? And then you have people that have a genetic proclivity to it, like my family, right? My mom and my uncle are in a similar position with it. So that person is going to become rustier quicker and therefore want to be more mindful of how they're treating, uh, you know, carbohydrates and activity as they get older. So you're also likely in that case to have a person uh, who has a waking sugar being higher in the, in the blood circulation, or that person who's not sleeping well because they get a bump at three o'clock in the morning and wake up, um, maybe they had whatever, or a bad dream, or anyways, there's something that's happened that's waking someone else. There's a cortisol pop right there, and that's then going to cause blood sugar to be raised uh, because that's the fight or flight, right? So that's what cortisol is going to do. It's going to, hey, liberate energy for quick movement. So here comes the blood sugar into the bloodstream. So getting back to my walking point, that's the case. You go for a morning walk. Mm. It's acutely beneficial as well in those cases. So like you like to walk after meals, for example, it's a great idea to walk after a big meal, get the body moving. Movement is good. It's good. It's been shown to help with, uh, with creativity, right? Get moving. You're on a brain funk because you can't get creative. Go for a walk, right? So there's a right. lot of actual, there's a lot of research. It's, on, on walking in general, our specific application here is definitely not fat loss. I'm not going to say, Hey, go for a walk every day. And you're going to lose fat. I'm definitely not going to do that. It doesn't burn calories enough to really matter, but indirectly it's allowing your fat loss protocols 
programming, right. et cetera, more opportunity to work. It's allowing your body to have a better chance of doing what it's designed to do in response to these inputs. Okay. That's what I wanted you to, I know it's kind of like that unconscious yeah. competence, but I think a lot of people, because we've, you know, females, especially we have been trained that cardio equals calorie burn your whole life, even, even gym. gym time. Yeah. Gym yeah. time. Like never mind just cardio, but one. you know, we will, when we talk about training, that will be a whole separate one. But so because of that, I wanted you to share those benefits of the parasympathetic. Like if you're a high strung person, like this also, is a really good thing to go and do with the intention of bringing yourself down. Yeah. So going back to that, um, just connecting what you just said to that, hey, I like the high intensity stuff to de-stress. You have to recognize that's not actually what it is, right? And therefore, in addition to that, you have to look for other things to do than cardio to fill this need, right? right. It's still, right. and the walking is one of these intention-based carve out time for me things that you would do, but there's also whatever else, you know, it could be, you know, a, a bath, right? It could be, you know, anything, going to the bookstore, it could be whatever, right? All sorts of stuff right. that would you consider mind, reading a book, yoga, all sorts of things. Instead right. of cardio and see cardio, cardio is healthy, but you have to understand it is not, it is tremendously overrated for fat loss. You have to look at the gym, you know, and, and, and cardio as a health supplement, really, when there is a degree, there is adaptation that occurs when you're trying to lose fat. So your, so your body does try to slow down and work on the lower calories. And therefore, as you get to a point, yeah, you're going to use cardio here and there supplementary, supplementary to offset having to lower calories every time but you have to recognize that it also makes you hungrier so you know where's the balance here it's better to treat it as a supplement an adjunct therapy and understand that the gym is to build your body and the fat loss is your diet strategy and your habits and cardio is just kind of one of these supplemental things when you're in a goal achievement phase lifestyle different pick something you love Love it. I think this is the best way to end it because you were just right to the point. We will get into training. I want this to be like a two-part one. So if this was something that you're like, am I doing too much? What do I need to, you know, change here? You know, take it from me. Less is more. If your goal is to, you know, have the strength in the gym, if your goal is to sleep better and have the recovery and all of that, you know, I had to learn the hard way and you know, go from doing all of that to, I did have the rebound that piled back on. You don't want to get to that place. So next one, we'll talk about the training. If, you know, is your training working against you, depending on where you are in life. But uh, thank you for coming on today, Eric. Uh, I, I know that people will walk away from this guarantee going, oh my gosh, I'm doing too much. I need to, uh, you know, readjust things. Where can they find you? Because I know you talk a lot about this now. Can I give one quick action step? Yes. I would say if you're not sure what to do with this, the, you're probably going to be making a very good bet if you cut out whatever high intensity work you're doing right now. For If you never did it again, you'd probably be doing yourself a favor, honestly. But if you're doing any cardio right now, I would replace it with walking. I would cut all the cardio out for a block of time and, and you'll see nothing bad happen, actually. You'll probably start to feel better as well. That would be the first action step I think everybody could take because everyone's probably doing too much and believes it's too effective. So I love it. That's perfect. Um, so I guess I'm not really on Instagram too much. 
so the, the, the main thing would be the Lean Bodies Consulting Facebook page, the main page. Uh, that's where yes. all, the, all the good content is. Main page. I'm going to link a couple of the articles that you mentioned, you know, the not so yeah. X factor, the dieting history, and then yeah. the Cadillac Cardio versus, one. you know, the Civic and anything else I think of you guys. And if you have questions for Eric, you know, you can always send them in. Um, to Amy at amyliding.com for the podcast. I would love to have him on here regularly. I know we already have a couple that will be coming up. One that will really cover menopause and metabolically stressed adapted bodies. And we'll also get into the training. And then of course, for the men, because here's the thing, ladies, we've got to get our men to this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have Eric come on. You're giggling to talk about HRT because, you know, as Eric mentioned, he's turning 48. No, you turned 48, 48. <laughs> turned 48. And, you know, as we get older, I mean, I think this last year was the first time that you did go on official hormone replacement therapy. All I can say is thank you. Mm-hmm. And we will get into that because I think it's women that usually end up kind of whispering it to their husband or a lot of men just don't know what is out there. Well, so you know, yeah. Andropause, you know, I mean, everyone knows about menopause, but, and then women go on HRT, you know, and take progesterone right. or whatever so those will be those will be the upcoming so i've got i mean we've got a few that i'm going to have you on for i think this might become a saturday thing if i can commit eric to it but send in your questions thank you again i'll have this in the show notes eric as always i love having you on thank you Okay, I'm on a mission. As you know, if you've been following along, I have a goal to be a top 100 podcast. And it's less about that top 100 and more about I want to make an impact. I want more people to hear effort and learn from all the mistakes that I've made, along with me bringing on really special guests for you. So my ask here is this. I want you to screenshot this episode today and share it on your social media. Share it with a friend, you know, tag me in it. Go give me a review you, of course, if you're really feeling it and rate me, you know, this is the only way things are going to get seen here. And in a big world of tons and tons of podcasts, I'm hoping that you're going to choose mine and help me on my mission.